Good deal. They're just so good, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, tonight we were looking at it, and uh, Miss Seuss had some symptoms that she's overcoming, and uh, Miss Janet had her brother went home to be with the Lord, and his memorial service is tomorrow. And so uh, Matt got to step up to the plate, and I told Dave, he better be ready. I mean, third down. You know, y'all better pray they don't lose Matt and Nate. That's all I got to say. I've heard him sing. I told him that night the service was real good except for the singing part. Then I cried, so, you know. So, uh, no. Uh, I guess you can see Keith's not here again tonight, but he is in Grand Junction, Colorado. And uh, we've got sunshine and 80-degree weather, and they've got snow. He wasn't happy. No, he is happy, but uh, the services are going well, and uh, he's, uh, he's probably in another one his own self right now. So uh, uh, he had one last night, one this morning, and one again tonight, and he is coming home tomorrow, so you can rest assured he'll be here on Sunday. So yes, yes, it'll be a good time. So uh, we are going to do what the Lord has called us to do. So uh, it'll be great, good, and uh, I was thinking this afternoon, as I was thinking about the service um, how many of you were here that Saturday of the Copeland meeting? The, yeah, um, good meeting. You know, that Saturday was uh, just spectacular. And uh, if you missed it, you, you know, like Brother Hagin used to say, you missed half your life, you know. Um, the Lord dealt with me about some things that day. And I was, I'm really thankful now because you see, um, you're never... Never, never, never behind the Lord if you'll follow Him. You know, you just got to stay right on track with Him. And uh, I know that day, that I think some of the staff said, you stayed down there a long time? I said, yeah. I was getting some things clear, cleared up with the Lord about speaking and stuff, you know. And uh, Nancy said, so you're not going to be shy about doing it anymore? I said, I didn't say that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a good thing because ever since that day, it seems like I've done quite a bit of it. So uh, you better get it right with him. You know, when he tells you to do something, be ready to do it because you don't know what the next steps are going to be. So uh, if he's talking to you about something, make sure you do it. When he tells you to do it, you won't be behind if you'll just do what he tells you to do. So uh, I'm thankful that we did. So uh, tonight I've got something really good on my heart, and we're just going to kick the devil in the teeth. Y'all want to do that? Y'all like doing that? Yeah, I like doing it. I think it's just the most fun thing that you can do. So uh, uh he tries lots of stuff, but he can't win if we don't let him. So uh, we won't let him. So if you would, get your Bibles out, and we'll get ready to look at some Word. And uh, we'll get some victories in here, and then we'll shout, and we'll dance, and we'll run, whatever we need to do. Y'all ready for it? Proverbs 4.23. The title of my message tonight is, Look Out. Robert said, Miss Moore, that's not the title, is it? And I said, that's the title, Robert. Here, look. <laughs> and so I said, yep, that's it. So uh, Proverbs 4.23 in the King James says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The Living Bible says, Above all else. Now, what, what would you put above that? Nothing. Above all else, guard your affections. Now, your affections, so that you're clear on it, are your feelings, your emotions, 
the disposition to make you feel or say or do something. That's what it's talking about, your affections. For they influence everything else in your life. Today's NIV says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The New Living says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The message says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Now let me explain something to you on that one. That's where life starts for the good or for the bad. You can start a good seed there or a bad seed there. That's where it starts, is from your heart. So what it's telling us is to watch that heart. And it's not talking about this valve thing that, you know, you're pumping and so it's pumping blood through your body. It's talking about your spirit, man, your, your heart, your soul. That's what it's talking about. Have you ever, say, watched something on TV or heard somebody say something or um, looked at a magazine or went shopping or drove past some nice houses or talked with someone and it totally changed the way you're thinking about something? Or on the flip side, have you ever looked at the Word and it totally changed the way you're thinking about something? What you look at can determine what gets into your heart. What you see can determine what you do, what direction you take, right, left, what you hear, what you think, can determine what gets into your heart. So it matters who you're listening to, what you're listening to, what you're seeing, where you're going, what you're doing. Elsewise, you're not guarding your heart. You're just letting anything into it. Right? I know Keith. He don't watch it too often because I don't let him. I'll change the channel if I can. I like to watch it, but if he's watching it, because I, I cook a plenty. But if he's watching the Food Network, it doesn't matter what they're cooking, he wants it. <laughs> and I get to cook it. <laughs> and so uh, he thinks I can cook anything. And, you know, and so it's, it's like... Whatever it is, he wants it. And so uh, if you're looking at it, you know, it changes your, your thought patterns. Because you start, what, what happens in your mouth? You start wanting it, you know. And uh, if it's really, really good, it's something you like, then you really, really want it, you know. So uh, you have to watch what you watch. Got that? Watch what you watch. So uh, it'll protect you or it'll lead you in the right direction. It'll, it can do good or bad for you. So uh, 
if you don't want to cook, don't watch the Food Network. That was the whole point of that story, yeah. So, uh, Also, part of that is, uh, like, we've been talking about paying off our debts, right? Um, reducing and eliminating debts. Would you want to be doing a whole lots of window shopping? Car shopping? House shopping? What does that do for you? Puts things in here. If you're talking about paying off your debts, how often should you go to the mall, ladies, and look at the shoes? Probably every day. It's not something that you should do. Or if you have a weakness in, uh, say, uh, everybody has an area, you know, I don't know, yours may be housewares. Or a lot of men like gadgets. You know, if it's a gadget and it operates with a battery, they like it. Am I wrong? That's what I thought. But you don't go to the gadget store if you're trying to pay off your debts. Because you know what? God looks at the little things. And if you took $30 when your bill is 300 and bought a gadget with it when you could have put the $30 on the to reduce the debt. What are you looking at? You don't go to drive past the most expensive restaurants when you're trying to pay off everything you've got or you've gotten behind. You look at things right. You guard your heart. You don't go to the places that you know are going to pull on you to do those things. That's what it's talking about, guarding your heart. Let's look at some other scriptures on it. Proverbs 4, verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand or to the left, and remove your foot from evil. Now, if you're trying to pay off a debt, and you're buying four pair of new shoes, that would be evil for you. Okay? The Amplified says, Let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose, and let your gaze be straight before you. The Living Bible says, this is really good, look straight ahead. Don't even turn your head to look. You can't afford it sometimes. Do you know what it's talking about? Sometimes you just can't afford to look at it. Because you're just not there. And you know what's going to happen to you if you look. It says, don't even turn your head to look. Watch your step. Stick to the path and be safe. Don't sidetrack. Pull back your foot from danger. Now, would the Lord tell you, 
would he say, Jim, don't eat salt today? Would he say, uh, uh, don't spend that money? Would he say, don't go there? Would he say, uh, things that you wouldn't think were a big deal? Would he say, don't watch that TV program? Would he tell you those things? That seem like insignificant things. Why would he tell you not to look at those things? Because he knows what's out here. He knows what's ahead of you. You can't see the future, but he can. And he knows what you're planting, that seed in you, when you're doing that. And it's like, it's not guarding your heart then. The protection's not there. You're looking at something you shouldn't be, or you're doing something that you shouldn't be. Watch real closely this next one. You'll see why. Proverbs 23, verse 31, the New Living. You've all heard this. Don't gaze at wine seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations. You will say crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mist, mast. You will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. I don't even know when they beat me up. When will I wake up so I can look for another drink? The Message Bible says it like this. Don't judge wine by its label or its bouquet or its full-bodied flavor. Judge it rather by the hangover it leaves you. (laughs) The splitting headache and the queasy stomach. Do you really prefer seeing double with your speech all slurred, reeling and seasick like a drunk sailor? They hit me, you'll say, but it didn't hurt. They beat me, but I didn't even feel a thing. When I'm sober enough to manage it, bring me another drink. Now, that's what happens when you're looking at the wrong things. Now, you can be looking at a lot of things that can be wrong for you. Every person in this room, if you were to stick a microphone in their face, they'd be able to tell you something, if they were honest, something that's wrong for them. Whether it's a food item, whether it's a TV program, whether it's something on the Internet, whether it's something with uh, another person, whether it's uh, spending money, whether it's something at their job, they would be able to tell you. They are not confused about what it is. Every person in this room. How many of you know what it is in your life? There's a few of you that didn't raise your hand. 
That means we have a few perfect people in here like Jesus. No. Everybody has something that in their life, if they don't, they're not growing up. Because there's always something that God's dealing with. Because what he does is he tells you about this and you'll get it fixed. And then he'll say, you know, that's really, really good. And you did real good on that. But now what about this? And so you're always growing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because you're always seeing new things in your life that's going to help you to grow up to another level. Because if you're not changing something, that means you're sitting still. No, you're not sitting still. You're going backwards. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the bad side of things? Say, for instance, symptoms in your body. Say you've been diagnosed with something. Are you continuously looking at those symptoms? Are you looking at what the doctor said? Are you looking at how you feel? Are you looking at the Internet and finding out everything that you can about it? Can you quote us every, uh, what, Latin, is it Latin most medical things are in? Every Latin definition for your sickness. What are you looking at in regards to your sickness or the sickness that the devil is trying to put on you? What are you looking at? What are you looking at in regards to hurts of your past? Are you holding on to them? And you're thinking about, they hurt me, they're going to give in first, before this changes, they're going to change. And you're going to hold on to that hurt and go through life defeated and without because you're holding on to that hurt because they did you wrong. You're convinced of it. What are you looking at? What do you see all the time in regards to those people or that person? Do you just see what went wrong, what went bad? Whether it's your spouse or your mother or your brother or your sister or your cousin or your nephew or your boss or your uh, friend or whatever it is. What are you looking at? How bad they hurt you? How long are you going to look at it? Are you looking at your needs? What you need financially, physically, emotionally? Are you just focused on that all the time? Is that all you see? Is I need this. I need this from my spouse. I need this from my boss. I need this money. I need this thing. I need this. I need. What are you looking at in regards to that? What's your focus on? When you get up in the morning, what do you think about? What consumes your thoughts? Most people, it's something. 
Either they're past due bills or their relationship issues or uh, their hurts or their sickness. They're looking at something. And it keeps them there in that spot, looking at that. And that means they stay in the middle of the storm one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, 30 years, 50 years, 70 years, however long they want to be sick, however long they want to be hurt, however long they want to just think about their needs, whatever they are. At some point... You have to start walking toward the light. What is the light? You have to get out of the storm. You can stay in the storm forever. Or you can begin to take steps out of the storm. But you have to take them out. And it's not fun sometimes. Every one of us have done it. For some reason or another, human nature is so messed up. It's like it likes to be there. It likes to feel sorry for itself. It likes to be needy. Likes to be emotional. You know why that is? Because that's the devil's turf. That's where he can get to you. But the moment that you don't give place to those things is the moment that you're on God's territory. You don't keep yielding to, what was the first one? Uh, the affections. Guard your heart from your affections, your feelings, your emotions. you got to guard your heart from that. Why? Because that's the devil's turf. Let's look at a couple of things. You want to come out. Of those situations. How many of you really, really think you want to come out? I think I want to come out. I know there's things in my life that I want changed. I mean, it's like we play with them as long as we possibly can. And then when we get sick and tired of them, then we actually start to begin to do something about it. But we want it changed immediately when we've been yielding to it for uh, a little too long. But we want to change now. God, why are you so slow? Okay? I said I wanted it done, okay? I changed. I want it done now. Well, you've only been dealing with it for the last 15 years and you want it fixed today? You've been playing with it for this long. But God's that good. He'll help you do it. But what you got to do first is Luke 14. We're going to come out. Luke 14, 28. For which of you wishing to build a farm building, this is the Amplified, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see whether he has sufficient means to finish it. 
Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation and is unable to complete the building, all who see it will begin to mock and jeer him, saying, This man began to build and was not able, worth enough, to finish. Or, what king, going out to engage in a conflict with another king, will not first sit down and consider and take counsel whether he's able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 men. And if he cannot do so, when the other king is still a great way off, he sends out an envoy and asks him the terms of peace. So then any of you who doesn't want to, does not forsake, renounce, surrender, claim to, give up, say goodbye to, all that he has cannot be my disciple. All these things that you're yielding to, the hurts, the needy, emotional, the sickness, do they have cost? Are you tired of paying those costs? Just like the wine in the glass. It looks good. But how bad do you want to be hung over in the morning? Maybe that TV program looks good. Maybe buying that new dress looked good. Maybe buying those new shoes or drinking that drink or going to that party or going to that club or hanging out with that person. Maybe all that looked good. But what's, the, what's it going to cost you in the end? We, as humans, I, is, I don't know what it is with us, why we like to hang so stinking close to the edge. And it's like the devil doesn't have to do anything. We're, we're this close. And all you got to do, he's, he just grabs you then. He can pull you over. Or if he was way over here, it might be a little bit harder for him just to reach out his hand and grab hold to you. But when you hang so close to all the things that you knew, it's not so hard for him to just pull you back into it. you got to get way far away from it, whatever it is. Whether it's another person that you fight with all the time or whether it's not working or whether it's uh, looking at things that you shouldn't look at or whether it's uh, smoking or whether it's drinking or whether it's drugs. or You can't play with it. You've got to get far, far, far away from it and not look at it. Don't kid yourself that you can sit there and look at commercials about drinking all day long and not want to drink. Or smoking all day long and not want to smoke. I mean, all the people that make it look pretty and make it look nice don't tell you about the lung cancer my mother just passed away with from smoking. They, it's like the wine in the glass. It, it, they don't tell you that part. Nor do they tell you the part about the sex part and dying of AIDS. Or some other crazy disease. Count the cost. Look at what it's going to cost you before you take that step. Whatever the situation is. Whatever you're about to do. If you're about to watch a TV program you know you shouldn't watch, 
count the cost. If you're about to spend money you know you shouldn't spend, that you should be putting it on a debt, you don't know what next month brings. The Lord does. And if He's giving you this whopper check inside of you, don't spend that right now. Reckon He knows more than us? I think He does. And if you'll follow it, you won't be hanging out to dry where you don't have the money to pay your light bill. you got to count the cost. Genesis 3.6 you all know the story. You probably wouldn't even have to turn there. So just save your time from turning there. You all know this story. Why would you even know about that dress? Why would you even know about that TV program? Why would you even know about what's on the uh, smoking commercial? Why would you even know about uh, this person? Why would you even... Why? You've been looking at it. It's exactly right. What happened with Eve? The Amplified, 3.6. It said, When the woman saw the tree was good, suitable, pleasant for food, and that it was delightful to look at, what was she doing? She's standing around looking at it. The New Living says, The woman was convinced. Now, how did she get convinced? She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. Now, how did she know that? What's she doing? Just standing around looking at that tree that she shouldn't even be around? She's standing close to that edge again. Right there where the devil can just pull her right in there. We make it too easy for him. We should make it a lot harder for him than that. Get away from the tree. Get way over here on the other side of the state. Tree's way over there. You can't even see it. I need some binoculars to see that thing. Then you can't tell it's delicious from way over here. You can't even see. Like that tree up there actually has fruit on it. In case anybody's wondering, it has fruit on it that he said he wanted fruit on. Can you see the fruit on that tree? You're too far from it. And that's the way she should have been. She should have been so far from that tree that she couldn't see the fruit. She could see the leaves, but she couldn't see the fruit. Shouldn't be looking at it. Shouldn't be in your vision. Shouldn't be in your thoughts. Because once it gets in here, where does it go? Right to that heart. And you feed on it. And you think about it. Now here's your story that'll wake you up. Genesis 19, verse 1. This is the NIV. Two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting at the gateway of the city. Long story. The angels said um, they weren't going to stay with uh, Lot, but he said, come stay with us. You can wash your feet and we'll feed you. Uh, And he insisted so strongly that they stayed with him. 
And before they'd gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. And they called out to Lot, where are those men? Bring them out so we can have sex with them. And Lot went inside to meet them. Went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him. And he said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. You know the story. The angels came back, told him, uh, he reached, they reached out, pulled Lot back in the house. They struck the men blind. And then the two angels said to Lot, do you have anybody else here with you? He said, yeah, I got my kids, my daughters, my son-in-laws, because we fixing to destroy this place. Well, should they have even been there? We all know the story. And uh, the outcry of the Lord is against its people, and it's so great that he sent us to destroy it. Verse 14, So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws, and they were pledged to marry his daughters. And he said, Hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-laws thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters and those who are with you, or you'll be swept away when the city is uh, punished. When he hesitated, the men grabbed him by the hand and his wife and his two daughters and led them to safety out of the city. And listen to verse 17. And as soon as he brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. What's the next part? Don't look back. But now... Most people miss the next part. They got the don't look back. But what does the next part say? Don't stop anywhere in the plane. That means don't stay too close to it. That means get away from it. What's going to happen if you stay too close to it? Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. What happens to people? Why do they get destroyed? Because they quit doing things, but they stay too close to them. They stay too close to spending. They stay too close to looking at things they shouldn't look at and doing things that they shouldn't do. Going places that they shouldn't go. What did he tell them? The Amplified says, and when he brought them forth, the angel says, escape for your life. Don't look behind you or stop anywhere in the whole valley. It's too close. Because what's going on there is spilling out here. And if you stay close, you're going to be destroyed. Well, you know the rest of the story. He tells them, don't look back. And verse 26, what happened? Lot's wife looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. And that's exactly what's happening to so many people that are being destroyed. 
They're staying entirely too close and looking back and longing for the things that they had, the things that they used to be, the things that mom and them did, the things that daddy and them are doing, the things that brother's doing. And I feel like I'm missing out on some of that stuff because they won't take the steps out of the storm and go forward to what God has for them because it's unknown. It's unfamiliar. And this is familiar. So that's where they want to be. But you have to get away, completely away from that stuff in order to see clearly and hear clearly what you're supposed to see clearly and hear clearly because you'll be confused in the midst of the storm. How many have ever been in the middle of something, in the middle of, say, nobody in here has ever had one, so don't raise your hand, an argument with someone? Maybe your spouse, maybe. And you get away from it and you think, you know, that wasn't as bad as what we made that. Wasn't quite like that. Because you got away from it. And it looks different when you got away from it than it did when you were in the middle of it. And that's the way things are. You got to get away from the problem. Away from the sickness, away from the hurt, away from the needs and desires and wants. and you got to get away from them to see clearly. And once you do that, then you'll begin to get other direction. But so long as you stay right there with it and you don't move, you're going to stay right there for year after year after year after year after year and you'll stay sick and you'll stay broke and you'll stay defeated and you'll stay in the same path doing the same things whether it's drugs or alcohol or smoking or porn or or any addictions or, or whatever it is that's where you'll stay and the sad part about it is You're doing exactly what the devil wants, living in condemnation. So therefore, nothing is working in your life because of the condemnation. And that's his tool. Because most people don't have enough confidence in the blood to believe that they can be forgiven. So they just live in the condemnation 24-7. So that's why their bills aren't paid. And that's why their bodies aren't healed. Because they just live there. They're not worthy of anything else. When you are, you're totally worthy because he paid for it. But the problem is that you have to believe it. So you have to get away from it and you have to watch what you're looking at and you have to watch what you put before these eyes. And you cannot look back. Once you've gotten free from something, you've got to turn from it. Get away from it. Get far, far away. Get far from the tree, the fruit. Get far from the things that you've been doing. Get far from the money. If you have money issues, then you get somebody else to do your checking account for you. That's what people don't understand. They try to continue doing the exact same thing that they've been doing and think that they're strong enough to be able to handle it. And you should know you're not. You've proven that to yourself. It's like several people, you've heard them say, you can't trust this flesh any further than you can throw it. So if you have a problem in an area, then you need to get away from that area. You need to get 
totally and completely in a different direction, in a different state, in a different, you know. I was talking to some teenagers, you know, at one point. I said, they were having some problems getting a little too close. And I said, then don't be alone for any reason. Don't be alone. They looked at me. I said, don't be alone. I don't care how bad you want to be, don't be. Do you get this fixed? You're having trouble with spending money? Then get somebody else to help you with your, your money stuff. You're having trouble smoking or drinking or doing drugs or, or prescription meds or something? Then get somebody else to go to the pharmacy and say, hey, look, don't give them anything. Make them have to have me sign it. Protect yourself. Guard your heart. Don't play with things. God wants you blessed. He wants you prospering. He wants you being an overcomer. But as long as we play with things and pretend like we're okay, then we'll never overcome those things. We've got to realize, hey, this is an area I could use some help with. This is an area... I keep falling back in. I keep yielding in. Well, the number one reason you're falling back in is because you're staying too close to it. Get far, far away from it. Don't look at it anymore. Stay away from it. If they sell, uh, if your favorite thing is, I don't want to call a brand out, uh, chocolates. Don't go by the chocolate store. If your favorite thing is pizza, don't go by the pizza place. If you're an alcoholic, go 60 miles out of the way from the bars. If you have trouble with porn, then jerk out your internet. Or your TV or whatever you have to do. But stay away from it. Whatever the situation is, turn from it. Don't look at it. Look at something else. Look at what? Let's look at your symptoms. If you're sick and you've been fighting symptoms, most likely you have some part of your body that works good. Maybe just your little earlobe or maybe just your, you know, end of your elbow or maybe your lip or something works good. Something. I mean, you may be diagnosed to, to pass away with cancer tomorrow, but something in your body's working good. You focus on that and you thank God for that tongue or that lip or that nose or that ear or that eye, whatever's working good. And that's all you talk about. Thank you, Lord, I got a good eye. Thank you, Lord, my toes wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Well, look, at, look at them wiggle. Y'all look at my toes. They just wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. No matter how many symptoms are in your body, you find something in your body that's working good. Look at my hair, how it'll grow. Look, 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 look. I got hair when other people don't have hair. Whatever it is, you find something to be thanking God about. And you tell everybody about it. You focus on that instead of the other. Instead of doing exactly what the devil wants you to do and go around and tell everybody about your sickness, you tell everybody about those wiggling toes. 
You don't bring up the sickness again. You don't talk about it. You don't glorify the devil one more second. You tell how good those toes wiggle. I can wiggle all five of them. And everybody you meet, you tell them about those toes. Because what the devil's going to want you to do is tell them about how sick you are. So before you get the opportunity, you start talking about those toes. And what are you looking at then? You're looking at victory. You're looking at healing. You're looking at something that's good. You're looking at something that's right. You're looking at uh, uh, something that's prospering, something that's going well. Instead of something that the devil has put for defeat and destroying in your life. What about hurts? What about somebody that's been hurt? What about, I mean, they hurt you so bad that there's never going to be a reason why you would ever forgive them. I'm quite sure if you'll look, that very same person has done something most likely kind for you at some point in time. And you find it and you magnify it. And you tell about it. And you dwell on it. And every time that hurt rises up on the inside, you say, no, but they did this for me this many times. And devil, you just hush because they, they are so good at that. And you never voice that hurt again. You never think about that hurt again. You talk about the one good thing that they can do. I'm sure you've heard Keith tell the story about the guy that was, you know, uh, in the casket and everybody was telling all the bad things about him. He was this mean, 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 mean man. And everybody said how mean he was. And this one guy never said anything bad about anybody. And he came up to him and everybody kept waiting to see what he's going to say about this man. Because he didn't do anything good. And so he finally got to the casket and he walked past and everybody crowded around to hear what he was going to say. He said, man, I just never heard anybody whistle like that man could whistle. He could whistle so good, everybody stood around and listened to him whistle. Well, he found something good to say about it. And that's what you've got to do. If you want to overcome the hurts, you cannot dwell on the hurts. You can't look at the hurts all the time. You have to look at the positive. We have jobs to do here. And maybe you're with a spouse or maybe you're with a family or maybe you're on a job or maybe you're on a this and you think God put you there. But they've hurt you. If you dwell on that hurt, you will not finish the course that God's called you to do. You've got to start dwelling on some positives. You've got to start thinking on some positives and doing some positives. And forget about the hurts. And the scripture says, I'm not, I, I don't have my walking concordance with me tonight. So, um, y'all didn't get it, but anyway. Um, where it says, uh, if you do good to those that's done evil to you, it'll heap coals of fire over their head. So if somebody has hurt you, and you do good to them, and you love on them, and you treat them extra special, and you do wonderful things for them, what does the Scripture say is going to happen? You can't avenge like God can anyway. If they're not going to listen to God, why in the world would you think they'd listen to you? And then needs and emotional and feelings and money and constantly pulling on people and, and, and want, I need, I want, I need, I want. I don't have. What can you do? 
you can start talking about all the things you do have. Every person in this room has got clothes on or we wouldn't have let you in the door tonight. And you got shoes on your feet. And you got here. And you got to be in your right mind or we probably wouldn't have, we'd have the ushers probably haul you out and pray with you back there or something. So you can't be too emotional or too crazy. So begin to thank Him for what you do have. Begin to thank Him for the things that you have. Maybe you're not, your needs are not getting fulfilled, but you are getting some fulfilled. And that's the way to get more fulfilled. Is by appreciating the things that you do have. And thanking Him. And not looking, keeping your gaze looking at what you don't have. Guard your heart. Because if all your heart feels and sees and hears is what you don't have, where's it going to stay? That's where it'll stay. Because you're not guarding it. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and you're not going to have any joy so long as you stay in I need land. So start talking about what you have. Everybody you meet. Look at what God's done for me. He's done this and He's done that. And I have this and I have these people to help and I have this to do. And I start thinking about just like the wiggling of the toes, find something. That he's done for you. And everybody you see, begin to tell them about it. Instead of what you need. Your spouse will be so happy with you. If you're not pulling on them for what you need. If you're telling them what you have. It'll make life so much better. For both of you. 2 Corinthians 10.5. I think everybody knows this. This is how you do this, though. Now, you're going to try to do that, and there's going to be this devil that kind of comes around. He tries to do other things, but this is how you fix it. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Is I need a thought that God gives you. I know a scripture that says God shall supply all my needs. So I don't think that's, a, that's something that we should be thinking about. Is I needs or I don't have, or I'm sick, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. So we have to cast down those thoughts. But what do we do so oftentimes instead of casting them down? And I said we. Instead of casting them down, we chase them. We run after them and see what they are. And think about them. And put them in video in vivid color. And dwell on what we don't have. 
and how hurt we are and what we're doing without. And they have it and we don't. And we think about it. Poor pitiful me. They have it and I don't. And you dwell on it and you think about it instead of casting it down. So that means you stay in the storm. You're not walking toward the light of casting something down and getting out of the situation. You're staying right there in the midst of it. And you can stay there for decade after decade after decade after decade if you so desire. Or you can begin to get out of it and cast it down. Numbers says something that I think is very, very interesting. It says, Numbers 15, 37, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. And they put upon the fringe of the borders a rib band of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you do not seek after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to go a-whoring. For I am the Lord your God. The NIV says, You will have these tassels to what? Is it up there yet? To look at. So that you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by going after the lust of your own heart and eyes. The Amplified says, And it shall be to you a fringe or a tassel that you may look upon and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, that you may not spy out. you got to spy out those dresses and shoes and chocolates. and Follow after the desires of your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to follow and play the harlot spiritually, if not physically. The message says, When you look at these tassels, you'll remember to keep all the commandments of God and not get distracted by everything you feel or see that seduces you to infidelities. The tassels will signal your remembrance and an observance of all my commandments to live a holy life to God. I got so excited today. Are you ready to shout? They had to do that to remember. To do what was right. You may have to get rid of your TV or you may have to get rid of Uh, your chocolates in your house or you may have to clean out your cabinets and do some house cleaning or you may have to get rid of I don't know 
your checkbook and let somebody else do it, whatever the Lord's dealing with you about to help you to remember or do some different things. But I got so excited today when this came up and I was thinking about it. Genesis 9:16. It's not only you that might forget to do something. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember. Who else needs help remembering? Why did he put the bow? Now, if he needs help remembering, don't be so ashamed that you might need some help remembering. That excited me today. He put that bow so that he would remember what? The everlasting covenant between God and every creature, uh, every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. Why do we have the rainbow? So that he remembers not to drown us anymore. It's just that simple. I can't drown him anymore. I got the rainbow. I can't drown him anymore. Well, you have to remember, I can't eat chocolate anymore or I can't go to this store shopping for an hour. Do something to remind yourself. Because if he had to remind himself, we need to do something to remind ourselves. They tied fringe around their garments. They were the holy men of God. Are we better than everybody else? That we don't have to remind ourselves that we have a problem in this area? Or we have had a problem in this area? We've overcome it? With the help of the Lord? But he had to remind himself of it. But what is this covenant? I even got more excited when I I thought, okay, let's remind myself of what the covenant is. Y'all want to know? Yeah, I thought so. Hebrews 8.10. It says, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. This is the NIV. And no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what's obsolete and aging will soon disappear. Now, I shouted on that one, but wait till you hear the living. It says, But this is the new agreement I made with the people of Israel, saying, The Lord, I will write my laws in their minds so that they will know what I want them to do without even telling them. Do you have any question in your mind when you are about to do something wrong? Raise your hand if you do. Uh, Nobody needs to tell you you're about to sin. You know it. Nobody needs to tell you you're about to spend too much money. 
You know it. This is His new covenant. You don't have to ask anybody, am I messing up? Because nobody knows the area that you have an issue with but you. And you don't have to tell anybody. But you do got to listen to this in here. He wrote it in your heart and your mind so that they'll know what to do without even telling them. And these laws will be in their hearts so that they will want to obey them. And I'll be their God and they'll be my people. And verse 12, and I'll be merciful to them in their wrongdoings. And I'll remember their sins no more. So if you have messed up and you have stayed there too close and you have messed up on the same thing 5,692 times, guess what? You can get away from it. Because you know in here, immediately when you're about to do it, there's no confusion. But you can't keep looking at it. you got to get you something else to look at. I mean, I turned off... I, honest, I turned off my TV. I have not, I mean, I think I've maybe watched three programs that Keith wanted me to see with him in the last year. Because I could, every time I turned it off, I couldn't find anything I wanted to see, anything that was worth seeing. And I'm not telling you to do that. I did it for my own sake. Because it was just pulling, it was emotional and it was garbage and it was always putting men down and it was always, it was, and, and I couldn't teach the youth properly and I couldn't do this properly and I couldn't do, because it was always setting the household up wrong. Every show that you see is doing that. It's like, why don't they get a clue? And I didn't need to see that. I needed to see what the Bible said about it. So I knew, hey, cut that out. Now that may not be your area. Your area may be spending too much time at the mall. I don't have that problem. I don't even go to the mall. I think I've been to the mall once since we've lived here. I I just don't. Shopping is just not my thing. I did it too much when I traveled with the Hagens. It was like if there was a mall within 600 miles, we found it. <laughs> and we shopped and we carried bags. So I let other people help me with that because they like it and I don't. So uh, find your area. Check your heart about it. No longer play with it. Don't stay so close to the edge to where the devil is just dangling something and you just fall into it. Get away from it to where you can't see the fruit. Then it's not a temptation to you. It's no longer an issue to you because you can't feel it. It's not pulling on you like it was. If you're an alcoholic, you shouldn't be smelling alcohol all day long. You shouldn't be working behind the bar. I mean, we do have flesh, but God gave us a mind for a reason and common sense for a reason to use it. If you'll do these things, I don't care if you've been doing the other for 30 years. 
and you've been whining about what you don't have or you've been overspending or you've been doing drugs or you've been looking at things, if you'll just start taking steps out of that storm, out of that thing, you'll get away from it. But the biggest deal is that you don't play with it and don't kid yourself. Because this right here tells me you know it. Because he wrote it on your heart. And you're not confused about it. And you don't need anybody to tell you that you're doing wrong. Most people don't need anyone to tell them, hey, you're messing up. Hey, hey, wake up, you're messing up. The most wonderful thing in life is when you go to bed at night that you can lay your head on the pillow and there's nothing between you and God. You're clear. There's nothing there. Because you know you did all He wanted you to do for that day. Or you didn't do things that He told you not to do for that day. Or you fixed what He told you to fix. And it's not hard. We can be so victorious that people are looking at us and saying, how did you do that? And you just say, oh, it's easy. Just do what he says. Quit looking at that. Change the channel. Quit going to the mall. Quit getting around those people because you know every time you get around her, she wants to spend money. Every time you get around him, he wants to tell dirty jokes. Every time you get around them, they want to go someplace you shouldn't be. You know what you should do. And it doesn't make it easy to do it. But you know in your heart you got to do it. And if you'll quit playing with it, the grace will come in and flood you and help you to overcome it. And His grace will be sufficient to help you overcome it. And it'll set you on a new path and a new course. And the things that you've desired, your heart's desire. Your true heart's desires, not those fleshy things, will begin to come to pass. And you'll begin to see things and know things and get answers. We've got a job to do. And there is a lost and hurt and dying world out there that we sitting here in these seats should be feeding instead of feeding ourselves. There's people that really need help. And it should be every person in this room able to help them. To pray for them or minister to them. That's our job. But if we're so defeated ourselves that we can't do it, then how are we going to help anybody else? We've got to turn our eyes. And what was that first one? It said, don't even look that direction. Don't turn your head. Look straight before you. Don't turn your head to look. You may have to physically take your hand and go, I'm not looking at it. Nope, I'm not looking over there. Uh Uh-uh, nope. Not anymore, I'm not looking. I don't see a tree, much less a fruit. Sickness? No, I see wiggling toes. Hurts? No, I see a loving, kind, sweet sister. I'm telling you what, she buys me a birthday present every year. She never forgets to get me one. And that's what you dwell on. And you'll begin to see your own self because you know those hurts most of the time are not hurting them, they're hurting you. And those wants and needs and desires aren't hurting the other person, they're hurting you and keeping you here when you should be here. So what should you do? 
First Chronicles. Sixteen nine. This is the King James, I think one of the first times tonight. <laughs> it says, Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk of all his wondrous works. And if you're doing that, you don't have time to do all the other stuff. You fill your mouth with those things. And if you don't have any to talk about yourself, you find somebody else. You got a testimony I can tell? You got one? T- tell me your testimony tell me, so I can tell everybody. We tell them every weekend. You know the testimony I heard, heard at church? Those people got a house. They didn't have any money. You know, and then they told one about this man that had a stroke and he got healed. You find something positive to tell instead of the negative. And you turn your head going in the right direction. And you don't dwell on what you don't have or what you don't know or what you can't do or how sick you are. And you get it right. And you all know this one, but we'll close with it. Philippians 4. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, sisters, family members here in this auditorium and on the Internet and everywhere out in Romper Room land. What things are true, whatsoever things are honest, what things are just and pure and lovely, and of a good report, and if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, then what can you think on? Guess what? That's all you get to think about. That's it. You don't get to think about how they hurt you, or what you need, or what you want, or how sick you are. This is all you get to think about. The NIV says, true, noble, right, Pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Okay. Get your piece of paper out. Write it down. If it doesn't fall into one of those categories, it's got to go. Cast it down. Don't chase it. Cast it down. And you'll see your life begin to turn and go in a different direction. And you'll see yourself begin to rise out of the quicksand. Instead of going under, you'll start going up. Like you got a hold of some balloons instead of quicksand. For real, you may have to make a list. People don't do things. They just think, oh yeah, this is a good message. What, did, what was our message on Sunday? Be a doer. So you may for real have to make you a list of what you've been thinking about. And then look at this list and say, okay, is it true? Well, yeah, it's true. I got symptoms, so we can keep it on there. Is it noble? Noble. No. Is it right? No, because the word says, by Jesus' stripes I was healed. Is it pure? Well, no. Sickness is not pure. Is it lovely? Definitely not lovely, me throwing up all the time. Is it admirable? Well, well, I think it's admirable that I'm taking it so well. So we'll leave that one on there. 
hey, you laugh, but it's true. That's what people do. And that's why they get to keep it. They justify things in their hearts and in their minds when you know it's not. And uh, you want to overcome them, look at them straight on and be honest about them and quit playing with them. And you'll rise and you'll come out of them and we'll be victorious and we'll go over the top and do what you're supposed to do. And your finances will soar, your marriages will soar, your kids will soar because you're not living in that mess anymore. So let's stand up. Glory to God. Y'all got something you can sing here, Matt?